This is the Making Millionaires Podcast, a realistic, no BS approach to effective and profitable investing. Everything from options trading to real estate. Once I'm done with you, you'll be itching to tell your boss to take a hike. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get in your face about the real way to make money and change your family tree. It's time to start thinking like a winner. So buckle up, sugar cup. It's about to get real. Hey guys, what's going on? This is Andrew from the Options Millionaire Community with another episode from the Making Millionaires Podcast. Thanks for taking time out of your busy life to listen, learn, and have a little fun along the way about all things investing and uh, how to get your mind right. I have a lot of fun making these episodes. I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, you know spending some time with me. This week, we're going to continue our personal finance conversation from last week. Last week, we talked about a couple of different ways to start really building your personal finance, how to really leg into things and start kicking your life off. And we're going to build on that conversation. But this week's going to be a little more higher level. This week's podcast is going to be over. After you've sit, laid that groundwork, after you've built the foundation, after things start rolling, what happens next? Like, what do you do next? Uh, maybe tailored to those who are a little more advanced in real estate, a little more advanced in investing, a little more advanced with the 401ks. So if that's you, please stick around and listen to this episode. Uh, it's going to be a great one. Next week, we're going to talk about a very, very key uh, it's going to be one of my probably one of my favorite episodes, so so definitely catch next week's episode as well. That'll be a great follow up to this and uh, basically how to manage the mental side of your personal finances. So it'll be it'll be fantastic journey. So stick around next week as well. But so last week we talked about the first three stages of personal finance, uh, which is nothingness or what desperation nothingness depend on how you look at it. Uh, basically, when you're starting out from nothing and you're trying to build your life, you may be very young, you may be old, you're starting out on the ground level. Uh, level zero on your personal finance journey. And then we rolled into foundational money, very small amounts of money. The first time you hit $1,000 in your savings account, uh, really starting to build on that. And then we went over to the growth stage. The growth stage is a very pivotal stage where you start to take action. You start to really see things start to come together. You're not quite rolling. You're not quite getting, you're not, you're not quite at that little sweet spot stage yet, but things are starting to roll along. You've got maybe you maybe you've got your first rental property, maybe you've got your first investments in place, maybe they're starting to see some revenue come in there, but you're still really building that foundation to get the get the cogs rolling. This week we're gonna talk about the next three stages of personal finance. And the one after growth is flourishing. The flourishing stage is arguably one of the funnest stages to to be in because you really the needle flips over from a non-investor or a beginning investor into a veteran seasoned investor where things are starting to come together. You know what you're doing. Maybe you no longer need a property management company for your real, for your real estate. Um, maybe you need to, maybe it's time to start adding money to your investments. If you're a day trader or if you're an investor or a future trader, whatever the investment may be, maybe you're ready. If you've, if you've invested in a business and it's paying well, maybe you need to buy another business if you're a venture capitalist, bunch of different ways to invest. Uh, maybe you need to buy another property if you are a land investor or lease another property to another business if you are that kind of investor. But the flourishing stage is great because that's when you start getting the multiple investment area. That's where your first investments may or may not be paid off or almost paid off, but it's definitely generating a good amount of income to fund another investment and another investment and multiple investments or maybe different areas of investing. But the flourishing stage allows you to start doing exactly what it's called, flourishing. It allows you to start ex- like rapidly expanding. It allows you to start looking into different avenues. It allows you to start, hey, maybe I need to buy three properties this year instead of one, or maybe I need to buy uh, you know, three different properties where I could really start to focus on land development and or leasing out. 
it really starts to give you the the aspect of, hey, I could start paying off any kind of non-consumer debt that you should, because by now, hopefully you don't have any consumer debt left or you only have the structural debt like mortgage payments and such. But maybe it's time to start looking at paying off your, your structural debt, your mortgage debt to get rid of all your debt. And then you're completely debt free. Your multiple sources of income are really starting to pay off uh, where you can start to expand. You're not fully enjoying the fruits of your labor like, you know, yacht clubs and boats and country clubs and all that stuff, which I'm not really into, but whatever, uh, to each his own. But you're definitely starting to flourish in terms of using that money to fund other investments to to really start pay off your structural debts, really start seeing the fruits of your labor. That flourishing state is a fun place to be in because uh, your stress starts to come down and you really start to gain happiness and really start to gain a sense of pride about what you're doing. And then after you've been in the flourishing stage for a while, you switch over to the expansion stage. And the expansion stage is the fifth stage you're in. The expansion stage is when you've got no debt at all. Now, you should be at least no personal debt in terms of uh, your structural debt. Your mortgage is gone. Any kind of debt you've got, any medical debt or anything like that, is paid off. And now you're, you may have some debt left, but it should be all investment-related debt. So debt in order to produce further assets, for further income, regi- leveraging your current assets to produce forward income, forward-looking income. And now you're in the expansion phase. So now... Your goal is to look at rapidly expansion. Rapidly expansion is your primary goal here. You've got your your primary investments in place, um, whether you you know you've opened up a long term trading account, uh, whatever it is. There, we've discussed all the different variations of investments. But now your main goal is rapid expansion. Uh, what we talked about a little bit on the stream is something called snowballing. So snowballing would be would come in the expansion phase. You would do maybe a some slight variation of snowballing in the in the other stages as you're kind of getting things rolling. But the expansion phase is where really snowballing is going to really take effect. And what snowballing is, I'm going to use I'm going to use uh, real estate as a, as the example here. So let's say in the flourishing phase you have you you have you've acquired two homes. Uh, they're rental properties. Let's say they are going for two thousand dollars a month in rental, and your mortgage on them is one thousand dollars a month. I know that's that's. That's not realistic, but we're just going to use the numbers for the purposes of our calculations. So you have two homes. Their mortgages are $1,000. The rental payments on them are $2,000. So you are receiving uh, $2,000 from the renter. You take $1,000 to pay off the mortgage and you've, or to pay the mortgage for that month, and you've got $1,000 in cash left over for two properties. So you have $2,000 net income, $1,000 from the first property, $1,000 from the second property for a total of $2,000 net income. So what do you do with that $2,000 income? You will, you have pretty much got three options. You could pocket the money and use it for your personal investing or personal finances or whatever it is. Uh, your second option is to put $1,000 on the first property, $1,000 on the second property mortgage and pay off the little bit more, a little, a little extra that month. Or your third option is to take the $2,000 and pay it off on the first home you purchased, which should theoretically be a lower financed option because it's an older property, unless you bought the property at the same time. But So you take the $2,000 and you put it on the first property to pay off that mortgage. The third option that I just mentioned is the snowball effect, is where you're using all of your investments to pay off the first mortgage very quickly, and now you've got the first property fully paid for. And then now you take the entire $2,000 that is cash-free because it's paid off mortgage on your first property. And you, you, now you've got $3,000 going into your second property because of the paid off mortgage for the 2000 for the first one. And then $1,000 net income on the second property. You've got $3,000 a month going towards the second property. Then you pay off that one very quickly because you're paying off $3,000 a month. You can, and then you, so you go looking and buy the third property. And now you've got three net incomes going into that third property or the second property. 
you pay off the second property and then you pay off you do the same thing over and over again the more pro- the more properties you acquire uh, whatever you use cash cash out refinance the burr method which is very popular you could start funneling all your profits into one property pay it off then another property and then pay it off and another property and pay it off and then once you hit about the fifth property level you could start cash flowing houses pretty quickly you could start paying off a mortgage very very quickly because you've got five and six and seven uh, net profits on these rental properties going into snowballing one mortgage and then once you hit about five is when you start really hitting the exponential curve that's when you can literally start looking at i could buy a house every year i could buy a six property and then pay that off in no time and then a seventh and an eighth and it takes about eight to ten years to get there it takes about eight to ten years to get there realistically on a normal you know someone who's not of substantial financial wealth than just the average quote-unquote average american it takes about eight to ten years if you're aggressive to do this thing right to get about five to six properties. And then once you hit there, you go exponential. And then you could literally start buying a house a year. And then once you hit about 10, 12, 15 properties, you could start buying multiple houses a year and just literally pay that off. Now, granted, the current economy in 2022 makes that a little more difficult, not only one, because of supply, but two, because of the current home valuations. And that'll definitely fluctuate. You know, the housing market always fluctuates, but uh, the renter property the rental property market has been really hit with the institutional investors because they wiped out all of the rental style homes. They took out all of the 500 grand and lower style homes that are perfect for rental properties. And unfortunately, there's a very limited supply. So this method is a little bit more difficult at the moment because of the current housing market conditions. But things will change. Things, things will adapt in the future. They always do. Uh, the housing market always adjusts. However, uh, if the rental properties is not really that great, you could do the same thing with land. Now, the only real way to do this, unless you've got some serious cheddar, because commercial properties, if you find one acre lots and half acre lots, commercial properties, you're 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 talking 500 grand per acre at least, uh, maybe even sometimes a million an acre, depending on where you are. Or if you're in a very high demand city area like New York, LA, stuff like that, you're talking multi million dollars per acre, which is obviously out of the reach of the common investor. So. The best thing to do with land is start looking at potential developing areas, areas that are outside the city that are near or are very smart in, in, ter- in terms of layout for where the economy is going, where the current market is going to go for commercial properties. And you buy a property, sit on it for a couple of years and see if the demand goes up and, uh, and flip that property or lease that property out. I think leasing it's a great option because you could lease a company for three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 a month, which is precisely what McDonald's does. McDonald's leases out their land to their franchisees, uh, which is their uh, one of their primary revenue drivers in the world. So a lot of different ways to do this. Or if you're in the stock market, if you're a trader like myself and others, is that you can start really funneling more money into your portfolio and start really acquiring a lot different more assets. You could start expanding your growth into different sectors. Uh, you could look at commodities futures. You could look at REITs. You could look at oil futures, you could look at anything. You can start really expanding your, your exposure to the market and learning more, be, being more of a savvy investor. And really learn to grow your portfolio and take advantage of geopolitical climates and shifting macroeconomic environments. Uh, take advantage of all that, and it's a, it's a fantastic thing to do. But the snowball effect really comes in the expansion phase that we're talking about here, which is a fantastic phase. It's the rapid growth where things really start to settle in. And that last but not least is the uh, arguably the hardest level to get to and the least achieved level to get to is generational wealth. Uh, the flourishing phase is, a, is, is probably 20 to 30 year phase, depending on how aggressive you've been in the expansion phase and the growth phase. 
But the generational wealth phase is one where you truly change your family tree. It's the golden egg. It's what we all strive for. It's not just a million dollar wealth or two million dollars wealth. It's decamillion. It's 10 million, 15 million worth of net worth where you could literally change your family tree, where your kids, kids, kids would probably never have to worry if you were uh, once that the money funneled down, the wealth funneled down to them. So the generational wealth is something I think we all aspire to have because it's not only affecting your own life, it's affecting your family's legacy. It's providing a legacy where a lot of people don't have a legacy. If I didn't, if I didn't go out and do what I've done and really grind, and I'm still, you know, I'm, I would consider myself still in the growth phase and maybe even transition into the flourishing phase at this point. Uh, the rapid expansion phase is coming. Uh, probably when I'm mid-40s, I'll hit that the rapid expansion phase. But uh, who knows if I'll get to the generation wealth. That's obviously the goal, but that's that's where I'm headed. That's where I'd like to go. But you know, every, I think everyone's goal is to leave a legacy for the kids. I definitely wanted to have a legacy because no one in my family has ever had a legacy. And if you were to go down four, five, six generations, nobody in my family has ever left a legacy for their, for their family, for their kids. So that's something that's huge for me is to leave a legacy. And not necessarily only wealth. It's something, hey, you know, my dad built this company. You know, my dad built you know, this organization, this whatever. It's not just the money. It's the legacy, your generational wealth. Uh, wealth of knowledge, uh, your wealth of power, the wealth of finances, the wealth of spirituality, the wealth of the wealth of your reputation, uh, where I could pass down to my kids, where they could say, "Hey, you know," when they go around and mention, "Hey, uh, this guy was my dad," and everyone's like, "Oh man, that guy was amazing." You know, there are fifteen hundred people at your funeral, that type of thing, where you've got the generationally changing effect on the world. Uh, and then, of course, you know, there's a deeper conversation to go into that as well. Is what do you do with that generational wealth? How do you change the world? How do you help other people? I'm a huge proponent of the whole reason why we're here is to help our fellow man. That's the entire thing. That's why we're here. Whether you know, you're know you a spiritual person or not, if you're not helping your fellow man, then what's the point? What's the point of having any wealth? What's the point of having any means? What's the help? What's the point of being on this earth to help someone who's truly in need? And I think that's wrapped up in the whole generational wealth stage is like you've got your legacy and what do you do with it? You know, what what is people what do people say about you when that casket door closes and the shut off the music and the lights go out in the funeral home and everything's all said and done and the tears have been cried and the eulogies have been spoken. What do they say about you? And I think that's the biggest part of the generational wealth uh, stage is what do they say about your legacy? But as you can see, personal finance is a long journey. It never stops. You just switch stages. There's, there's never a point in life where you really uh, slap on the table and say, it's over. My personal finance journey is over. Because even when you're 80 or 85, let's say, if you're 85 years old and you're a, let's say you've got $50 million in cash and you're 80 years old and you're on your deathbed, let's say you've got two weeks to live, your personal finance journey still is going. However, it's switched stages. You're no longer in the accumulation phase. You're no longer in the growth phase where you need to get more money or worry about your investments because when you're 80 on your deathbed, you could probably care less about your investments. However, you are in the generational wealth stage, and that's where you need to worry about your legacy. What do you do with your money? Do you leave it to your kids? Do you donate to a charitable organization? Do you make an impact on the world? Do you donate to a homeless shelter? Do you donate it to a church? Whatever you do with it. Do you donate it to a country of need? That's your personal finance rate. It never stops. To the moment that you can get a job, 13, 14, 15 years old, to the moment that you are on your deathbed with 10, 15, $20 million, your personal journey never stops. It just shifts perspectives. It shifts priorities. It shifts goals. 
It shifts outcomes. It shifts inputs. It shifts outputs. But it's something that we always go for. It's something that we're always striving for and changing for. I hope I can light a spark underneath you and light that fire in the personal finance journey because for me, it's something I'm very, very passionate about. I'm more passionate about personal finance than I am any other subject related to finance, uh, investing or anything like that because personal finance is the roadmap to your future. It's the roadmap to your kid's future. It's the roadmap to your grandkid's future. It's what people are going to be saying about you or if anything at all. Are they going to remember you in 120 years? Are your great-grandkids going to know who you are? Uh, are they going to say, hey, you know, our family was destitute until this jabroni came along and changed our family tree? Like your personal finance journey starts now. It doesn't matter how old you are. You could still take, take steps to improve your quality of your financial life. But you just have to make the steps. And the first three stages are not easy, and they're not fun, I promise you. The fundamental stage is not fun because you're eating rice and beans. You're paying off debt. You're not going to the movies. You're not going on vacations. You're just paying off consumer debt. You're building up some sort of wealth, uh, even if, no matter how small. They're not fun and they're not easy. And that that's the thing. People want fun and easy these days and age. They want instantaneous gratification. And that's just not the case in personal finance. Otherwise, everybody would be well off. Everybody would be rich. And the beautiful thing about all this journey is, is that you could do this on various different types of income, whether you're not making a lot of money or you are making a lot of money. It's definitely harder for some people with different incomes, definitely, but it's still a journey you can accomplish. When you have no debt, you're able to accumulate a lot more wealth than you think. At one point, I was making just around 50 grand with absolutely no debt, and I was able to save up a good amount of money. I mean, more money than a lot of people had in their checking accounts at the time for a mid-20-year-old. I had no debt, and I just packed away money left and right. And literally, that aspect changed my life. Because although the savings I had wasn't really crazy, it wasn't like, holy crap, how'd you do that? Uh, it was a lot of money still. And that allowed me to remove some of the handcuffs and start to make moves to become a savvy investor. It allowed me to get secure down payments on rental properties. It allowed me to put some extra supplemental income in the stock market. It allowed me the freedom to achieve my personal finance goal at my rate of speed. I hope you learned a little something along the way today. I hope you, little learned, I hope you enjoyed this two-part subject of the personal finance journey. As always, you can ask me questions anytime. I know the podcast, we can only scratch the surface on a lot of things, but if you want to know more details about it, then please hit me up on email. You can email me at optionsbillionaire2020 at gmail.com, or you can DM me in the Discord. I'm always happy to answer DMs there and, and, and fulfill someone's journey and to help with questions. So uh, I've learned a lot over the past 11, 12, 14 years of my of my personal finance journey career. And I would love to pass those on to other people who would, who would need it. So let me know if you have any questions. I hope you enjoy this episode. This has been another episode of the Making Millionaires podcast. Thanks for listening and hanging out with us and learning a little bit. Stick around for next week as well. Next week's going to be a doozy. I can't wait to make this episode. It's something that uh, really jump-started my journey back in the day and really sent me down the path of pursuing financial greatness. Until next time, I'm going to leave you with this. The only thing separating you from financial greatness is the decision to be better.